This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And the sous chef of garden, Frank Proctor, uh, alongside Charlie in studio. Hey, you, Charlie, it's a beautiful day. It sounded like you couldn't remember who you were for a second well, there, now Mr. You're, you're Proctor. Probably, you, know, you know what was on my mind was my poor little cat at home. Oh. Uh, Dickens, yeah, he's not feeling well, and I had to take him to the vet. And then I wasn't feeling well because the bill was five hundred bucks. Uh, I know, but, just you know, to walk in the door. It's like a, a member of the family. You just got to do what you got to do. That's right. And so I'm hoping he's going to feel better soon. Yeah. You well, know. we send our heartfelt good wishes. You hear that, Dickens? To he Dickens. Listens. I know. He listens. I to the hope show. you leave the radio on for him. Yes, I do. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I wonder what he does when he hears your voice. That's cute. There's that DD. <laughs> no. Where's the treats? Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> anyway, hey, this is the Garden Show, mm-hmm. not the Pet Show. It's the Garden Show. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And so you want to reach Charlie Dobbin, uh, the master gardener who is our very own. Uh, you <laughs> give, give her a call. And everybody's and very own these this, days. Yes, really. Four, <laughs> oh, yeah, I got that new thing. Um, 416-360-0740. And then anywhere in the province, toll-free, 1-866-744-740. Remember the mantra, call early, call often, one question per call. And if you happen to be a first-time caller, please let Sebastian know, and he will pass the word along to me, and you shall... Hear that when you arrive on the the air. The welcoming bell. Yes. So guess what I did yesterday? What did you do yesterday? I went on an amazing garden tour of the brand new rock garden at the Royal Botanical Gardens. Wow. Newly renovated. So originally installed, I think, I don't know, 1832 or something, made out of an old quarry, has had a two-year facelift and massive renovation and redesign. Yeah. So I went on a media tour as a sort of a grand opening uh-huh. thing. Very different from impressive? what it was. Yeah, very impressive. And it's going to just be that much more impressive as it grows up, mm-hmm. right? It's young plants and the weather's been so cool this spring. Many of the plants are particularly small because they're still pretty dormant. But um, <clears throat> yeah, it's totally going to be Excuse me, worth seeing again. and uh, But just the way it's working with that, they do have guided tours available at the Royal Botanical Gardens in Burlington, right starting today, right through until May the 18th. Do you have to call and make a... Uh I think you would do it, yeah. yeah. The guided tours, you, well, you wouldn't want to go there and have to wait. So yeah. you'd probably pre-book if you just go onto their website, which is super simple. It's www.rbg.ca. If you can't get there by May 18th, starting May 20th, you're on your own. It's open to the public. And, of course, you pay admission and you go look around. But nice to have a tour. Beautiful new building they built, like a visitor center. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you just see weddings in there and conferences. It's all poised up on the top, beautiful views and all made out of, you know, Douglas fir. Anyways, gorgeous. But as is my want. Oh, yes. (laughs) My announcements, uh-huh. of which I have multi-pages, but I will go quickly. I have mentioned this already, that the Toronto Rhododendron Society plant sale today, 
very special plants, rhododendrons. So certainly worth checking out starting at 10 o'clock in the morning, going till 2 p.m. at the Toronto Botanical Gardens in the Garden Hall. That's 777 Lawrence Avenue East. Of course, lots of cool rhodos, azaleas, and companion plants. So check that out if you can. Also at the Toronto Botanical Gardens tomorrow is the Ontario Rock Garden and Hardy Plant Society plant sale. So depending on what kind of gardens you have, we've got rotos available today. We've got hardy plants and rock garden plants available tomorrow between 11 and 3 at the Toronto Botanical Gardens. Excuse me. The Georgetown Hort Society plant sale and silent auction is Friday, May the 6th. 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. at the Gellert Community Centre on 8th Line in Georgetown. Just in time for Mother's Day, right? Ah, Week yes, tomorrow is May Mother's 8th, Day. Right. 7th, I think it's. Uh, I think it's 8th. Well, tomorrow's the 1st, right? Yes. Add 7 to 1, it's the 8th. You're right. So thank you for that. <laughs> there will be a great variety of plant material. Perennials, we're going to have one of those kinds of shows. And annual shrubs, trees, hanging baskets, etc. Home and outdoor items for gardeners and bags of soil, mulch and manure. Saturday, May 7th. Oh, no, that's a new one. So then the next day, yeah. week today, Saturday, May 7th. 9 till 12. It's all about plant sales right now. So 9 a.m. a week today till noon, the Agent Court Garden Club is holding their annual garden sale. And, of course, lots of cool items, mm-hmm. great plants, usually baked goods, Hort Society members on hand for great advice. They meet and hold their sale at the Knox United Christian Education Center. And, uh, yeah, everybody is welcome to check it out. Okay. Uh, a, a quick shout-out to Neil Headley. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of the Happy Gang. That's right. Uh, and he's a, a regular listener. In fact, the guy likes you so much that he <clears throat> called you up midweek to get you on the show, the morning show. <laughs> to chill him out. Yeah, yeah he, he was panicked. He's so anxious. Well, I know. You know all these gardeners, right? They're so keen. They want to get out in the garden. Blue sky today, uh, yeah. good day to get out there. But, uh, yeah, no, he was just worried that the grass seed he had planted yeah. you know, 10 or 11 days ago it's not happening yet. What's yeah. going on? Why, why, why can't I see anything? <laughs> so, yes, we, oh. I had a really good talk him down, yeah, yeah. talk him down, relax, breathe, easy, be patient, <laughs> don't panic yet. Yeah, it's one of those okay. kinds of chats. All righty. Well, good morning, Neil and Catty. <laughs> nice to have you aboard, uh, even if it's just on a listening standpoint. However, we got to get to our callers, and we will do that right after these words here on Zoomer Radio. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Alrighty, and here we are on a beautiful Saturday morning as we broadcast live and direct from the Zoomerplex in Mm -hmm. Liberty Village. And spring is in the air. You got it. Hey, out there in Pickering is Josephine. Good morning and welcome to the show, Josephine. Good morning, Frank and Charlie. How are you today? Great. Great. That's good. It looks like a good day for cutting the grass again. (laughs) Again, really? Again, I've already cut up one. You must have fertilized. Well, I fertilized, but you know, I face south, so Uh, it really, it comes up fast. Nice. Uh, Charlie, what I'm calling about is a friend of mine has a a hydrangea plant that she gave to me, Mm -hmm. and the ticket on it said that to treat it as an annual. I've never heard of a hydrangea (laughs) having to be treated as an annual. Is there such a thing? That's that's actually a good question. Probably what that is, it's a hydrangea that's been grown in a greenhouse, Mm -hmm. and it's had flowers, you know, been taken to the flowering point, and then sold as an 
ornamental potted plant. So for Valentine's Day, for Mother's Day, for, you know, any of those Mm -hmm. special occasions, Easter hydrangeas are often one of the beautiful plants that we give or receive. They are what we consider florist hydrangeas, and they are typically not hardy in our climate. So that's why they're saying treat it as an annual. So, so why can't revive it? Well, you can put it out in the garden. Is it still got green leaves on it and things like that? No, actually, it has no leaves on it at all, but the uh, stems are pliable. Okay. You could try planting it outside. It right. could grow some leaves and even grow some flowers. When? But this year, this season, if it doesn't do leaves at all this season, then you know it's dead. Right. But, it, you know, certainly there could be life in the root and it could come back and it could, like I said, flower again, uh, given the right conditions. But don't hold your breath that it's going to survive the winter. I didn't think that it was going to survive, to be honest. It was the first time I've ever heard of a hydrangea being a, uh, <laughs> having to be treated as an annual. Yeah, it's, more, it's just an har- a hardiness thing. And that particular variety is not hardy here in Ontario. By the way, the, the stem that I rooted mm-hmm. and I told you about about four weeks ago, yeah. well, I planted it and the little shoots are coming. Hey, Excellent. So it's doing okay. I don't know how long it'll take to grow, but it'll be a while. <laughs> patience, <laughs> patience, a patience. Thank you, Justine. Thanks Same for your with you. Call. And uh, Susan out in Oakville. Charlie on the line right now. Good morning, Susan. Good morning. Morning. How are you? Excellent. What's and cool? you, how are you? Great day, look outside. You got it. Yeah, you're right. Get out in the garden. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, I know. Not going to be good tomorrow. Um, no. I'm calling about hydrangeas. Mm-hmm. Where to trim them and when? So what kind of hydrangeas are we I talking? I knew you were going to ask. And I've had them in so long, I don't know what they are. Well, when they flower, what shape is the flower? Is it round or is it conical? No, it's round. Okay. So if it's a round flower, there's they go under many names, mop head hydrangeas, um, you know, anyway, it's a macrophylla typically, which means it's a big-leaved hydrangea. With those, what I do is I trim them down so there's about two, well, three to four sets or pairs of buds on each stem. Okay. So I, once I'm finished pruning, the plant might be four, five, six inches tall. Oh. Yeah. I don't have buds that far down. I don't think that would be three or four of them. Well, they're in pairs, so they're opposite to each other on the stems. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, what, so even if you have, like, two pairs on each stem, the yeah. reason we do that is if you only trim off the dead and you go down to where you see the first set of buds, you will end up with a very uneven shrub. and Because, yeah. you know, I have a long, long branch here and a short branch there, and then it'll grow, and it will grow into a rather unruly, not very attractive mess. This is what I had last year with one flower on each Right. So that's why if you trim them all down so that they're reasonably even and they're quite low to the ground, uh, like I said, four or five inches above the soil level, it will all grow together in concert. So even if you don't get flowers, you still have a nice uniform looking shrub. Um, Is it always in the spring that you trim? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Leave them alone in the winter. Everything as it was in the fall. That's right. As you should. Okay. They're pretty too. If if there are flowers, Mm -hmm. they hang on all winter. Oh, that's great. They do, yeah. Yeah. Unless I cut them off, which sometimes I do for dried flowers. Yeah, that's right. People do harvest for that purpose, yeah. Yeah. All right. Good stuff, Susan. It's okay to cut them off in the fall? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. If you're going to harvest the flowers, you'll have to... Actually, there's a certain time to do it, you know, on a dry day when they're just sort of almost completely open. But, um, but yeah. Otherwise, I would leave the stems alone and do your major pruning in the spring. Okay. Okay. All 
Perfect. Thank you. Thanks Thanks for calling. Okay. It's Uh, the Hydrangea Show. It is. (laughs) Isn't that funny how it kind of happens? Same thing. Uh, Phone number is 416-360-0740. And anywhere in the province, it is toll-free, 1-866-744-740. If you've just uh, tuned uh, to AM740, Zoomer Radio. And 96.7 FM. Uh, this is the Garden Show. The only one in Toronto. And cable something. We're on cable, too. Oh, Lord. I wish you hadn't asked that. Now I'm, no, now I'm, now I'm in trouble. Okay, because I don't no, have it written down. It either. Okay. I do like listening to my AM on cable, though. It's so clear. Oh, isn't it great? Yeah. It's yeah. much better than listening on a radio. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yeah, and it's the last day of April. It How is. About that, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So we know spring really is in the air. May is just around the corner. Absolutely. Well, good morning to Nancy from Oshawa. Welcome to the show, Nancy. Thank you very much. Morning. Hi, Charlie. I have a dahlia that I started in March because mm-hmm. I heard on the radio, would be your station too, about starting the silly things, and I did, and it's... At this point, about three feet tall. Did you send me an email on this? No, dear, I didn't. Okay, somebody else did then. So here's what I recommend. Number one, it's, excuse me, do you have it in lots and lots of sun? It's in my sunroom, so yes, it is. In fact, I moved it back from the sun. I thought maybe that would slow it down because there's a bud on this leader, and it's about... 18 inches long, and I wanted to know, can I prune it? Yes, you're going to have to. So, But that's okay. So uh, the person who sent me an email also sent a photograph, and it sounds very similar to yours, where the daily was growing very tall. The distance between... The distance on the stem between yeah. the leaves yep. was quite extensive in the photograph. It was probably as much as six or seven inches. Easily. Which in the garden outside in real sun, we should not have that big of a distance between the leaves. Right. That's called the internode, the, the area between the two nodes, and the leaves grow at the nodes. So they're really they're stretching or they're, the internodes are extending further than they should because light levels aren't as high as as they should be in order to keep the plants more compact. Mm. So, yes, you are going to have to cut it down. And I would even, like, now today, um, you're calling from Oshawa. So I think today we're going to get to about 14 here in Toronto, and you're probably similar in Oshawa. If you can cut it down and then get it outside, don't go into full sun with it and don't allow any wind to hit it, but just sort of gently start hardening it off so that you can get it ready to get outside as soon as possible, like outside and planted, whether it's going into a bigger container or the ground, um, that would be a good idea. Okay, I tried putting it out a while ago, but it was a little too windy mm-hmm. on the patio yeah, and yeah. too much sun. Yeah, you, you no wind, <laughs> no sun to start. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's got to get used to the real world because it's very tender right now. It certainly is. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thank you kindly. Thanks Thank for you, your call. Nancy. Yeah, welcome to the show. And, uh, gee, we haven't had a first-time caller yet. Remember last no, week we had every, five, yeah. five first-time callers. Anyway, hey, here's a caller from Barry. Carol, hello. Welcome to the show. Oh, hello. Thank you very much for my call. Morning. I have a dilemma, mm-hmm. and I hope you can help me with it. I have some iris moss throughout my gardens, mm-hmm. and I was uh, told last year by a horticulturist 
that uh, some of it's becoming diseased. Mm-hmm. What do I do? Okay, so Irish moss, it's very low-growing, almost like a little, almost looks prickly, but it's not. Bright lime green ground cover. Yes. And are we talking full sun in the areas where it's growing? Uh, Yes. Okay. So the proper name of this is Sagina subulata. So subulata means sub, like it's right down at ground level. Um, If, like all perennials, if they get very, very old, how long has it been in your garden? I don't know because we bought the house two years ago. And it was there when you moved in. Yes. Uh, I believe for some time. So what makes you think it's disease? Do you just have some like patches? Because I have patches of brown mm-hmm. throughout the various pieces that I have. And has, was that true both this, the two last two summers or was that just true last summer? It started last summer. Okay. So what I think is probably happening is a, is poor drainage. This is a plant that wants to be very well drained. And if, like, we had quite a lot of rain last year, particularly early in the spring, like, you know, early in the summer, it was damp and cold. And those conditions lead to rot for plants that don't want to be wet all the time. Mm-hmm. So the one thing you could do is, uh, I mean, you could actually lift the plants. You could get some sand, some horticultural sand, which will be a fairly large grain size of sand, incorporate some of that into the soil, then put the plants back, which will help facilitate the drainage. It'll also raise the plants up a tiny bit by adding that sand. Uh, If you don't want to dig them, you could just sprinkle sand around and it will kind of work its way down into the soil. Uh, Otherwise, it's just full sun, uh, as you said you've got, and and, you know, it, weather sometimes does that to us. Parts of plants will, will become diseased. But I, I wouldn't worry about it as a permanent condition. I would think it's more, contribu- it's more connected to the weather conditions. Okay. And is there a particular kind of sand? It's called horticultural sand. Horticultural sand. It'll be a bit more gravelly than, say, a play sand for a sandbox. Sand for the okay. sandbox is very, very fine, and you don't want that. You want something that's a little chunkier than that. Okay. And when I, when I cut pieces off... I put the sand in where I'm where I'm going to plant it. Well, okay, are you planting it or are you going to just leave it where it is and put the... I have lots of it all around mm. and I was going to cut some pieces off some of them because they're so big. Oh, okay. And then move them around. Right, so you're not going to cut though, you're going to dig because you need some dig. roots attached. Dig. Yeah, so that's great. If you're doing some moving and, and spreading out of this plant, we call that, you know, digging and dividing, right? So that's fine. If you're going to do that, as you're going through that process, incorporate sand to, to wherever you're going into the soil before you plant. And then, of course, going back to where the hole is, where you took out some chunk of plant, get a little sand incorporated in there as well. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. You're very Thank welcome. Thank you, Carol. Okay. Well, Bye. how's this for a happy coinkadink? Our next caller, as well, from Barry, uh, Delane. Good morning and welcome to the show. Coinkadink. Good morning, Frank and Charlie. Good morning. Uh, I have had a big problem through the winter, I guess. I've had a yard full of rabbits, mm. and they have made deposits oh, in everything dear. out there, even my basement windowsills. Mm-hmm. I need to know, is that going to be really stinky and ruin the flower beds? And if if so, I need you to come over with a shovel <laughs> and a recipe for a rabbit stew. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, the um, 
No, I would say no. I mean, unless you got mountains of rabbit poop, I wouldn't worry about it. I rake it around. It's it is fertilizer. It's I mean, organic. Yeah, yeah, it's completely organic. It's they only eat greens. Of course, they. I would be looking more closely at the bark on your trees and your if you have euonymus on the property. Make sure that the rabbits haven't done serious detrimental damage to any of your woody plants or perennial plants because they do chew. Yeah, they did that to the neighbors. Oh, okay. So they just hung out at your place but ate at the neighbors. Mm, Yeah. That works. So (laughs) just rake it around. Um, I mean, if you want to wear like window ledges and stuff, scoop it up and and toss. But I wouldn't be overly concerned. I mean, it's like all the neighborhood cats kind of come to my garden a lot and I just move it around. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It's like, you know, and that's, I mean, rabbit. Yeah, rabbits (laughs) actually have a better diet for for garden fertilizer than cats do. So, um, yeah, and wear gloves, of course. But, yeah, don't be, it won't be stinky. No, the rain will cause it to to dissolve and the sun will cause it to dry up. So, yeah, don't worry. I see. Okay, well, I'll mix. Expecting the recipe for rabbits, rabbits too. But you know what's funny? Somebody just said this to me the other day. If you have rabbits, then you know you don't have coyotes. Oh, if really? you have coyotes, then oh. you don't have rabbits. Oh, oh yeah. 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 So, like, that's a really, that's that goes hand in hand. So wherever you are, you clearly don't have coyotes because you wouldn't have happy, such happy rabbits. <laughs> Fat, no, we happy just rabbits. have squirrels and chipmunks. <laughs> yeah, them do. <laughs> okay. Wow. Well, thank you so much for your information. You're very yeah. welcome. Thanks for your call. Every time I think of you, Delaney, I'll think of your poopy rabbits out there. <laughs> yeah, you're going to yeah. look up some stew recipes oh, for Delaney. Yeah, that's right. Okay. <laughs> I'll have to do that. Mm. 933, you're listening to The Garden Show. From Zoomer Radio, AM 740 and 96.7 FM downtown. Hey, Jane, here in Toronto. Hi, welcome to the show. Hi. Morning. Good morning. How are you? Excellent. Good. Um, I forgot to say I am a first-time caller. Oh, oh my so goodness me. There Just you a minute. One. All right, welcome. here we go. I'm calling about nematodes, which I have applied in a fight against white grubs for years, but I'm never very comfortable with when to do it temperature-wise because mm. of the soil and the air and the whoops, it's getting cooler tonight, you know? <laughs> okay, that's good. Yeah. So, okay, Frank is kind of our specialist in I'm, nematodes. Uh, I'm the basic expert on oh, nematodes. Uh, <laughs> actually, mid-August is when I think I would uh, notice some stuff in the lawn there. Oh, I was told patches. twice a year, spring and fall. Right. Well, if you go, you're in Toronto. So if yes. you went to a garden center now and you asked for nematodes yeah. for grubs, yeah. they there has been a certain amount of research done around, there's, there are different varieties of nematodes that we use in the spring and the fall. Ah. If there is one out in the spring and it is specifically on the package, says it is for white grubs, yeah. it's worth a try. But yeah, you're right. You have to be very, very specific to the instructions. Mm-hmm. I have never applied nematodes in the spring. Okay. I have, however, applied them in the, like Frank was saying, late summer. Mm-hmm. And where you apply them is where you had the problem in the spring. Oh, not all over. Well, you can go all over, but it's a fairly expensive little sponge with 40 billion eggs inside that sponge. And I have a huge lawn. Yeah. So, I mean, how many of those sponges can you afford? And then, of course, you use the watering can and you... And it's work. Yeah, it does. Well, and you walk around. But what I do is I concentrate putting the eggs where I had the problem in the past. Okay. Because um, we know that where if you've got issues now in your lawn, Mm -hmm. that's where those eggs were laid and the eggs hatched last summer or you know early summer they the, the hatched into those little tiny tiny grubs then those grubs spent a number of weeks 
eating the roots of your lawn, but you didn't really notice because the you know it was nice rain and everything was green last year. And then they went back down deep for the winter to overwinter below the frost line. Okay. Now that we're warming up, they're coming up. And they're starting to eat again, but they're much bigger grubs. They're very, very tasty for the squirrels, um, for the starlings, and many of the birds will will line up for those grubs. That so, now they're bigger when now now yeah. they're at their biggest because okay. in the next little while they're going to pupate. They turn in, they go into that shiny brown cocoon right. case. Okay, what emerges from that is the beetle. So, you know, it's the life stages of the – it starts as an egg, turns into a grub, turns into a shiny little pupa, and then turns into a June beetle or or one of the beetles that flies around and, you know, hits us square in the forehead, you know, on a June evening. Right, on a nice warm night. Yeah, so that's their life cycle. So what you – the time to get them is when they're very young, when the grubs are very young. And they are young and treatable with nematodes when the soil is nice and warm. And, again, it's – Conditions in terms of moisture is important. Yeah. You never, ever apply gr- uh, nematodes to a lawn that is dry. Okay. So you wait till we've had a good rainfall, and then you're out there applying your nematodes onto the moist lawn. And again, you're adding more water because you've got to take those eggs down. Uh-huh. The eggs have to land on a grub before okay. it can hatch and proceed to eat that grub up. Okay. All right. It's Great. magical if it, when it works. <laughs> okay. So I'll wait till August. Yeah. August, but, but you know, mark, mark yourself a note where you're going to really concentrate applying them in August. Yeah, that'll be easy. Okay. okay. All right. Thank you for your help. Okay. You're very welcome. Happy nematoding. Uh, if that's a word. If not, I've just invented something. Well, <laughs> golly, here we are. Uh, going to be uh, going out to Etobicoke. Okay, a little bit to the west here. Georgina, welcome to the show. Good morning. Morning. Good morning, uh, Charlie and Frank. Um, I came in and I heard uh, hydrangeas, so I was wondering you were talking about it, but I missed it. Mm. What I had done last fall was a little bit of um, work put done in the backyard, and they planted... Tim hydrangeas. Mm-hmm. Um, they seem to be doing okay through the winter, but now they are just long, bare Sticks. branches. And I'm wondering whether should I cut them right back or yeah. are they dead? I don't no. know. Well, if you go out there, today's a great day. If you can mm-hmm. get up close and kneel down and take a look, you're very, very likely to see very small green swelling buds right down at the crown of the plant. So right at the bottom of those brown sticks, you are very likely to see some green growth. So that is where you trim to. You trim to where you see the green. I do cut them yep. long. They do cut them back, mm-hmm. do I? Absolutely. Every spring. Oh, okay. Every spring you're going to cut back. And what we were saying to the first caller, Josephine, was, you know, once those plants are more established in a couple of years, you're going to go out at this time of year and you're going to have green buds a foot up on one stem and six inches on another stem and, mm. you know, two feet on another stem. And to cut to the green leaves a shrub that is very uneven. So we kind of come up with the lowest common denominator, which is typically five to six inches tall, and cut all the branches to that height. And we are, But we're always cutting back to the green. Right to the green. I Gr- will go up. Green cut. buds. They're rather long. Bare yep. branches, yep. so I will cut them right back. Right what? back. Yep. Okay, thank you very much. You're very welcome. Got, thank you. You. Got okay. your work cut out for you, <laughs> Georgina. Thank you very I much. Hydrangeas are they're pretty ugly in the spring, but they get so beautiful, everybody loves them. But, yeah, don't be afraid. Sharpen your pruners. Don't be afraid to prune out dead stuff. This is the time of year. Tough everybody. Love. Tough Every love, plant. Eh? Yeah. Not okay. just the hydrangeas. Dead stuff, cut it out. 
Cut it out. That's, that's the word. Okay. <laughs> With sharp pruners. It's a perfect day. We never prune in the rain. Beautiful blue sky, perfect pruning day. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Never in the rain? No, because you're wounding the plant when you oh, prune. Okay. And to wound a plant on a wet, you know, moist day oh. is to make it more difficult for the wound to heal. Right, it's like a well, scab, I right? I, I walk around the backyard with a whole bunch of little bandages. And, you know. <laughs> I bet you do. Yeah, I, I bet, bet I do. do. <laughs> yeah, all right. All right. Oh, by the way, as we say goodbye to Georgina there in Etobicoke, that left not only a line open. I've got a couple of lines open here for the show. So let me give you the phone numbers again. 416-360-0740. And then anywhere in the province, hey, it is toll-free. 1-866-740-4740. And we love to have you on the show. Wilma Holstein out there. Now, what? Yes, we've talked to we've Wilma We've talked before. to Wilma before, haven't we? Yeah. Hi. Good morning, Wilma. Good morning. Yes, I have talked to you before. How, how are things in Holstein? <laughs> well, they're getting greener. It's nice. still cool, but uh, the sun's shining today. Excellent. So you're thinking outside is right. I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. What I'm contemplating or what I'm wondering about is some moss. Mm -hmm. I have um, incline to the south of the house, but it's very shaded because there are tall trees overhanging it. Mm -hmm. But I ha and I have quite a few stones that have been put in before I came here with a for decoration or for breakup right. of the wall and to hold the soil basically too. Now a lot of them have been covered with moss. I'm assuming we consider moss a growing Mm. Fungus, fungus, or plant, or whatever. Yeah, it's a funny kind of a. Consider it a plant for our purposes. It's green. It photosynthesizes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, now I was kind of led to believe that we should leave it there. That it kind of uh, takes the impurities out of the air. Um. Yes. Technically, it should, because uh, as part of photosynthesis, it's using carbon dioxide and it is releasing oxygen. It's also um, helping to slow the, the rainwater when, the, when it rains. It'll do some absorption of some of that rainwater so it doesn't all just rush off down the hill. Um, at, you know, so it's good for erosion control. Um, doesn't do a lot in terms of cooling temperatures. But yeah, there's a certain amount of purification of any water that hits it because it, it, it acts like a filter. The um, and why do you find it unsightly, the moss? Well, the thing, basically, and of course, it grows over the rocks and starts getting into the bed. Mm. Um, I guess my real question is: Yes, I can always pull it off the rocks to expose them, mm -hmm. but is it is it uh, suffocating and killing the plant growth that I want to grow around the rocks? Yeah. Um, well, keeping in mind that moss will take advantage of growing in the conditions that are perfect for the moss. Mm -hmm. And that tends to be shady. Mm -hmm. It tends to be moist. It also tends to be a pH that is, is on the acidic side, so lower than neutral, down five or six on the pH scale. Mm -hmm. So if, if you're concerned that some of your chosen plants are not thriving and the moss seems to be super thriving, mm -hmm. I would recommend first and foremost a pH test of the soil along that bank. Okay. And it can be simple. It doesn't have to be like a major, you know, s soil samples off to a lab. You can pick up a simple soil 
test kit, which will give you some pH testing. It might even just be litmus paper where it's a pink-blue thing, you know, basic versus alkaline versus acidic. And and that will tell you what's going on with the pH. And remember that if it is a lower-than-neutral or severely lower-than-neutral pH, the moss will be happy and other plants won't because the other plants want a, a pH very close to neutral. So okay. that would be my, the first thing I would think of. It's just a pH test if you're concerned. Otherwise, continue doing what you're doing. Scrape it from the surface of the soil if it's bothering you and impinging on the growth of the chosen plants. Okay. All right? Okay. okay. Thanks, Thank you Wilma. very much. Dolly. Yeah, take care of Holstein Forest. Thank you. <laughs> 109, just a little bit north of Mount Forest. Isn't that right? That's right. Yeah, you got it. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And the sous chef of the garden, Frank Proctor, saying good morning to Lucy in Mississauga. Welcome to the show, Lucy. Thank you so much. Uh, good morning. Good morning. I'm calling because, I, first of all, I would like to get uh, Charlie's uh, email address, if I could. Okay. And uh, secondly, last uh, fall I had called about uh, my tomato plants. I was getting late blight on them. Mm-hmm. And I could, I've done everything that I could in order to try and eliminate it. And while I was speaking with her, she had Michael from Sierra Cell, and he offered me um, some solution of using some Sierra Cell in the soil, but I never received it, so I don't know if he lost my uh, information or what came of it. Okay. But um, if it would be possible to readdress that issue of late blight on tomatoes, yeah, I would sure. love to. Well, okay. Uh, Michael Bentley is the president of Sierra uh, Cell. We'll follow up speaking, on that. We will. So maybe you'd send a, an email okay. uh, to Charlie, and I'll give you the uh, uh, email address right now. Is that okay? Sure. Okay. It's c.dobbin, that's D-O-B-B-I-N, yep. at mzmedia.com. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Perfect. So, and one quick other thought is perfect time to be bringing this up because we often don't talk about late blight until it's hitting our tomatoes, right. mm-hmm. and it's in August. So now we are at the point of choosing tomatoes and looking to plant tomatoes, right? Because there's been quite a number of gardeners and you know commercial gardeners as well as hobby gardeners who have lost entire tomato crops too late blight, there has been a, a fair amount of work done on finding varieties that of, of tomato that are resistant to late blight. Oh. <clears throat> so in 2012, a trial was done, and it's interesting. These are just some names you might want to keep your eyes peeled for if you're shopping for okay. tomato plants or seeds. Mountain Magic, okay. Mountain Merit, actually I'll put this on, I'll get this up on our website, Defiant, Lemon Drop, Matt's Wild Cherry and Plum Regal. So these are, and another one called Mr. Stripey. These all have very good resistance to late blight. Okay. All right. So, and and late blight comes comes upon us mostly connected to the weather. So we can't really control whether late blight becomes a big issue. But if we have resistant varieties growing in our gardens, we're less likely to lose the crop. 
Okay. All right. Okay. And you said you're, you'll have these listed on your website? Yeah, we'll put this up on the AM740 website. If you go to um, the tab that says Hosts, mm-hmm. and then under Hosts, you go to Me, okay. you'll find some information. And if you scroll down, there's, there's some sort It'll of take a, maybe fun a day or little so things. To get that in there. Yeah, don't yeah. expect it till probably Wednesday to go okay. up. But, That's fine. But, but meanwhile, that would be great. I just figured that we're getting to that time of mm-hmm. year, and if there's something that I could do to prepare the soil in some way to limit the amount of uh, tomato. I mean, yeah. I only plant six tomato plants, but mm-hmm. because they grow so well, uh, it gives us tomatoes right through until the latest of fall, almost Christmas. Nice. So um, anyway, okay, so those are that's the only thing that you can offer, eh? For, well, I mean, other than full sun for our tomatoes, right? highly organic, well-drained soil. Right. So, you know, none of this soggy soil. Uh, tomatoes are heavy feeders. Mm-hmm. So we once we plant them, and of course we plant them deeper than they come in the little pots. Right. Uh, then they start to grow and we stake them, keep an eye on them, and uh, fertilize. Fertilize at least every three to four weeks. You can oh, do that with okay. top dressing with compost. You can do that with a synthetic, you know, water-soluble whatever you wish but bottom line is make sure that they're getting good nutrients and you have healthier plants more resistant to the problem right away does it help to have uh, i've i've heard that uh, uh Eggshells, mm-hmm. eggshells around mm-hmm. the plant to mm-hmm. help like, to bring up the calcium levels in the soil. Right. Does that impact on the late blight at all? No, that's no way. That, it, that does impact on the entire health of the plant. Okay. And then there's a horrible syndrome called blossom end rot. Right. And there's the feeling is that blossom end rot happens as a result of inconsistent moisture oh. and therefore inconsistent availability of calcium. Gotcha. Okay. 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 That's awesome. Yeah. We we have to kind of push along, Lucy, but thank you very much. much. All right. We are prisoners of the time. (laughs) And and in order to get to this time of year we should really have a two hour show. You're right. Maybe a 12-hour show. Now Neil's going to be <laughs> uh, fainting out there. Okay, we've got uh, Sylvia uh, in, in Guelph and Janet and Bradford. We're going to see who we can get to, okay? First, we have to take another little commercial break here on The Garden Show from Zoomer Radio. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, let's head to a spot in this province that uh, Charlie is very familiar with, Guelph. And there's Sylvia. Hello and good morning, Sylvia. Oh, oh good morning. Thank you for taking yep. my call, uh, Charlie and Frank. Good morning. I have a question about uh, potatoes that have gone to seed in my mm. kitchen. I've only had them two weeks. Um, we took a course in gardening at night the last month, and they said we could plant potatoes in a bag of soil. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, can I do that now, or is it too early? So in a bag of soil, like a, a bag of soil? Yeah, just a bag that you buy at the garden. You, you poke some holes, and then you stick some potatoes in there, and they will grow as long as it's a big enough bag. Yeah. Yeah, you could uh, do it now. Yes, I would do it now. Okay. The so soil, of course. The sprouts sticking up? Yeah, that's the challenging part. Um, because the sprouts, tech, well, what I would do if you can is you want to bury them deep enough that the sprouts are just under the surface and then okay. they will start to grow because they're pure white right now. And of course you put them out, they're just going to fry in the sun and the, it's a bit windy and cold still. So, you know, it's one of those things. If you can optimally you'd have your bags of soil on some kind of a little dolly or a trolley and then you can huh? roll it in and out of your garage if it got too cold mm-hmm. and roll it out on the sunny days and eventually we get frost free and then you can put them down somewhere to just thrive. 
Oh, okay. So it's better in the, in the garden, like not in the bag of soil then? No, either way. But I'm just saying that the bag of soil will, if it gets really cold, then the soil's going to cool off and the, the little potatoes could freeze, unlikely, but could if we had a severe frost. I don't yeah. think we're going to have anything like that now, but it is just, you know, the cusp of May the 1st. So we really have three weeks till we're confident that we're truly frost-free. Frost free, yeah. Well, okay, we had so a frost... Around uh, the 24th of May. Yeah, last year we had a frost on May 23rd. So, <laughs> and it was a pretty good frost. That's cutting it close. Exactly. Very much. Okay. okay. I love your show. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you, Sylvia. Janet in Bradford. Let's go there now and have a word. I'm so happy I got through. <laughs> yes, I'm dressed and ready to go outside Excellent. and do damage or due diligence, whichever. <laughs> it's regarding climbing roses. Mm-hmm. I planted climbing roses 12 years ago mm-hmm. and was very successful mm-hmm. and even took cuttings and made some more roses to mm-hmm. grow along my fence. Now, two years ago, we had this polar vortex, <laughs> and I think it did damage to one of my climbers. And what it is, um, and I've cleaned it up, and, and I know not to cut down mm-hmm. the climbers, mm-hmm. but they're black, mm-hmm. if you will. Mm-hmm. The bottom where the crown is, they're, they're greening up, mm-hmm. but all the stems that are, are on the climbing are black. Should mm. I cut them down? I would. Get rid of it. <clears throat> well, see, because that's what we do with our roses in the spring. And though it might feel extremely radical to take mm. so much off of a rose, if you're ever going to do it, you do it now. And if the, the stems are black, likely they will not suddenly green up overnight. Right. Sometimes uh, you, we will see some growth coming from those black canes, but it is always very, very weak growth. So here's what you do. If you're not sure, with your pruner, start on the end of the cane. So say the cane is six feet long and it's black right down to the bottom. So take a foot off and then look at where you've pruned. And the pith or the center of the cane should be pure white if it's healthy. And it'll have brown, really obvious brown in that white if it's unhealthy. And you keep pruning down a foot at a time until you come to white pith. That's when you stop yeah, pruning. Yeah, have to do a real major job on this one. But fertilize, too, eh? When you do this big pruning to your roses, do some top dressing with some compost or composted manure and or give, give it a, a shot of rose fertilizer. Okay. okay. I'm, I use a lot of Epsom salts. Excellent. Yeah, Roses I really love those. that. So I should just get out there and cut her down. Cut and- it down. <laughs> Sharp pruners, put on your lead suit or your you know leather suit, whatever you have to wear to be a rose yeah. warrior, and uh, and take it down. It, but you know if it's a healthy plant, if there's life in the root, which there often is, if it's been there for twelve years, it's amazing. R- roses can live for hundreds of years, so it's just a matter of maintaining the soil around them and pruning away the dead. Okay. Okay. I'll do it. Thank right. you, Janet. Let Take us know care. how that goes. Thanks. And a little word to Sandra out there in Baltimore, Ontario. Um, please call early next week, and we want to get you on the show. Yeah. I want to find out more about Baltimore, for one thing. <laughs> uh, meantime, yeah, we we, we're, go. on a, we're on a racetrack. <clears throat> Pardon me. And uh, I just wanted to let folks know, stay tuned for Dave's Corner Garage and your chance to talk rust control for your car or truck with Crown's Trevor Hutchison. And breaking news from OMVIC. More fun and your car calls coming up right after the news on Zoomer Radio. But we've got to say goodbye. 
Yeah, we do. But I want to do a quick shout out to Peter Hume in yes. Belgium. He sent a lovely email. So, hey, hey, Peter, he listens to the show by podcast. And yeah. next week, maybe we'll have some time to share some of his comments. They're very sweet and very appreciate good. the feedback. Exactly. So thanks, everybody. Thanks for the great calls. Thanks, Frank, for being Thank here. Thank you, Charlie. And Sebastian, our ever willing assistant out there taking calls. See you all again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.